You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. For the ANA Champions of Growth Podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. It's a question that marketers navigating an increasingly complicated media terrain must ask themselves. Is our PR agency on our A-team? Is PR called in from the get-go when the marketing strategy or ad brief is being developed? Or once the campaign is fully baked to knock out a press release and pitch a few media outlets? The response could spell the difference between an advertising or marketing campaign that performs just okay and one that maximizes the effort and expense and provides legitimate brand lift. Unfortunately, many companies opt to keep PR at arm's length. That's too bad for brands, because PR is able to look at a campaign through a different and much broader lens, stir key context in the media, and keep its ear to the ground once the campaign goes live. It's for those reasons and many more why M&T Bank has been working with PR agency Peppercom for more than 10 years. Francesco Lagutain, Chief Marketing Communications Officer at M&T Bank, says Peppercom is, in fact, on the company's marketing A-team, and he wouldn't have it any other way. Lagutain and Jackie Kolick, Executive Vice President and Chief Innovation Officer of Peppercom, have developed a model that should inspire client-side marketers who want to have a deeper and more productive relationship with their PR agency. The duo join me now to talk about how their teams work in unison. Jackie, Francesco, thanks so much for joining me. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Great to be here, Matthew. Thanks for having us. You bet. Jackie, wanted to start with you. Despite sharing similar goals and objectives, it seems like for many brands, PR and marketing can be at arm's length. Are there still too many companies in which PR and marketing operate at a concerning distance from one another and in a sense, leave money and engagement on the table? Unfortunately, yes. There's many, many organizations where not just comms and marketing, but even disciplines within communications and marketing like social and digital don't speak to each other. I lead the financial and professional services team at Peppercom, and I see that it is definitely more prevalent within those sectors. Consumer marketing and communications has become more integrated, but financial and professional services seems to have lagged behind a little bit, which is why I'm really excited to be joined today by Francesco, because I've had the opportunity to work with his team over the last 10 years and actually predated Francesco. When we started working with Wilmington Trust and M&T Bank, it was a very siloed organization, but I've had the opportunity to witness how Francesco has really brought that team together and created an entirely new integrated model. And we've had the opportunity as their agency to benefit from that shift and to really witness the culture of collaboration that he's created. Is the fundamental problem here that too many companies remain just severely siloed and the business infrastructure prevents PR and marketing from cultivating their relationship? And then because everything is siloed, just things get gummed up communications wise. It's interesting, and Francesco and I have talked about this quite a bit, the role of the CMO is very interesting when you look at the entire C-suite. It's the only role within the C-suite that tends to change its remit constantly. We've seen many organizations where the CMO has communications reporting into them, then they have it separately. Many organizations, it changes over time. It's an odd thing that the CMO role seems to have that changing remit all the time. And when you're changing that remit, it really impacts the ability for organizations to function integrated capacity. When you don't have comms and marketing reporting up through the same structure, that can sometimes put those functions at odds. 
So I think that's part of the problem is a lack of consistency and really having the CMO be an advocate for communications at many organizations. And as a result, you do find that organizations are not optimizing their activities as best that they can. We've all been in those situations where the marketing team fields this great survey, but it's extremely self-serving. It doesn't have anything newsworthy or different, unique to say. And then they sort of pitch it over the fence to the comms team and say, hey, we really want to make a lot of hay out of this, write a press release, get some great press on this, but we haven't been involved in the ideation. We haven't been involved in developing the questions and really figuring out how can we add something to this conversation? Where can the brand bring a unique point of view? And as a result, the efforts are just not as successful as they could be because we've, you know, we've gone at it from too much of a marketing lens and not balanced the needs of what we want to tell customers and prospects, what the media are going to find interesting. How can we engage influencers, policymakers, others? They're not considering all audiences at the get-go, which can really hurt the ultimate results of the programming. Our silos, basically the kryptonite for marketing communications. Why is it that the entire onus for breaking down the silos seems to be on the CMO as opposed to the other C-level folks? Because the role of the CMO is changing, is becoming more complex. The world in which we operate is becoming more complex. You know, the, the world that I started had very simple and broken down activities that had some correlation, but weren't really interwoven. The way I think about the role of marketing is broadly from creating desire to closing a sale. And then you look at how the, the customer experiences all of the potential activities is a continuum that mixes what they hear and what they see in media, in social, in external third-party communication, all the way from communications that we control and the experience that our customers have on our digital platforms, in our branches, what our tellers tell them, how our phone operators answer the phone. We believe that in particular, bringing communication, PR, marketing together, weaving one single story is absolutely essential to deliver a much more engaging and compelling customer communication. I understand there's history behind the silos, there's size of certain organizations, and, and you need to think of the role of marketing different in terms of the size of the teams that you might end up running. Creating that connection is absolutely essential because you can no longer differentiate between what a customer or an employee hears inside or outside, in paid or earned. All of those messages need to be absolutely consistent. Let's stay in this lane in terms of Bud Light being the case study this year in crisis communications. Do you think it was a matter that PR is called in well after the marketing campaign has started? Knock out a press release, pitch the media a little bit. Rather, as you just mentioned, from the get-go. And therefore, PR execs operate in a vacuum in terms of understanding the brand's overall goals and objectives. Is integration easier said than done? A lot of it depends on the organization's culture. And as Francesco said, the size as well. Unfortunately, in many organizations, the communications team just doesn't have a seat at the table. Decisions are being made and filtered down through the comms team instead of comms really being able to weigh in on those decisions. And if you look at Bud Light, again, as sort of the poster child of what not to do, one of their biggest challenges was not necessarily the campaign itself. It was their crisis response to that campaign. They really messed up on the response. Looking at it from a third party, you can only sit back and say, gosh, you know, were they not listening to the communications team? Because I'm sure they were probably giving them excellent mm -hmm. advice on how to manage it, but it seems like they just took every wrong term possible. So when you can have those conversations, do that planning up front, 
the communications team oftentimes is closest to the sentiment out there. We're monitoring the news every single day. We're reading about our clients. We're reading about what's happening in the industry. We're monitoring our social media channels. We really understand what the conversations are, what the overall sentiment is, what the hot button topics are, and we can bring those insights into the planning process and again, help organizations prevent those self-inflicted wounds, or at least because we have relationships oftentimes with the media, when something happens, when comms is involved, we have those great relationships with reporters and they will call us first and say, hey, I heard this is going on at X company and we can help kind of manage that process better. But when we're caught on the back foot and we get that reporter call, we're limited in how we can help the organization. And I'll just add, if I may, about the power of an integrated organization is to bring that thinking at a planning stage. When I look at sort of my teams, then the CMO becomes a really important tiebreaker. Oftentimes, your marketing teams, especially when you get to social and you get to sort of like branding, they're like absolutely positive people. They tend to think about all the amazing things that can happen. My defensive communication teams are awesome people that have been through wars and they can see all of the negative things that can happen. And oftentimes there's a little bit of a communication issue. And so I find myself that sometimes I'm, I'm sort of like playing a tiebreaker and says, no, hold on a second. We should listen to Jackie. And it's probably not going to happen, but what if it does? How do we prepare for it? And I've been in a couple of situations less dangerous than where Bud Light ventured. But as we venture in some of our conversations with the community around sports, for example, we always get a little closer to a line. And I value the input of my defensive comms teams that come and say, hey, you might be going a little too close to the line and this might happen. Sometimes we soften the marketing message. Sometimes they're a little better in case something happens. Folks, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about content marketing, whose success often is predicated on generating earned media. Now, this seems to be a channel in which PR and marketing should work hand in glove because you need to tell a good non-salesy story, but also know how to distribute it to the right audiences. Is content marketing an opportunity for PR and marketing? More mentoring and education from PR to marketing about the need for storytelling. And that storytelling is not ad copy through a strainer. One of the big mistakes that organizations make is thinking that a piece of content marketing should have a one-size-fits-all approach. We strongly advocate for a stakeholder-led approach. So understanding your different stakeholder groups and providing content that's going to meet them where they are. Oftentimes, we work on very dense, big pieces of white papers. And those might be great for customers and clients that want to see that, but we can take that same piece of content and chunk it up for the media because we know they're not going to read a 50-page white paper, but they might want a two or three-page executive summary. So how do we collaborate on figuring out all the assets together? What's the overarching story we need to tell? What's the pain in the marketplace? How are we going to sell against that pain? And then what are the right types of content for the different audiences? We're not going to publish a 50-page white paper on social. That's going to be highly visual. We're going to have video. We're going to have smaller kind of subsets of that that we're going to take out to the media. And maybe it's a drip campaign or a ripple campaign where there's one main piece of content. We're going to carve out multiple themes that we can storytell around over time. But if you can start that together and have a long-term strategy, A, it gives your content more shelf life. So we're not just sort of a one and done. But also it gives us the flexibility to make sure we're telling the right stories to the right audiences with the right pieces of content that are going to resonate with them across the appropriate channels. 
as you were asking the question, I even kind of like struggle with the term PR these days. And whilst there's an, an absolutely important and fundamental role that we need to play in media relations, I like to think about the term storytelling. And what we've done is my team is divided in performance marketing, which is sort of like the bottom of the funnel engagement and in storytelling. And they're sort of marketers, internal comms, external comms come together, co-create. And then we just think about content creation, content deployment. We used to produce commercial and we had three edits. Historically, you, you had the 60, the 30, and the 15. And now we have 11 to about 15 different types of content formats that come even from going and telling one of these push stories, because I have other teams that come in and tell the behind the scenes stories that actually the interview with the cast that tell the story from the team perspective. And all that enriches the story that we put out in the market. We give our customers a way to follow the stories that engage them at a much more deeper level and, and where we place them. Then I have different teams that are best at placing it. And sometimes we find they get the even earned and owned. How many times the earned needs to be primed? We find some stories and we say, this story should go big and maybe we'll just prime it with a little spend to sort of like push it and then it takes off. And as we head into a break, despite media seeming ubiquitous, in reality, the media are shrinking. Do you think that media relations, cultivating ties to reporters and journalists covering your business sector has gotten to be undervalued and underestimated, particularly if all the so-called power about the need for thought leadership and earned media is to be believed? Most organizations recognize the power of thought leadership, the power of positioning your subject matter experts as real visionaries in their fields. But what's changed is because the media has been shrinking and their business models have evolved, there's really not very much pure earned media happening anymore. A lot of you know the work that we're doing is paid content. So we're doing paid sponsorships and page takeovers and a lot more paid content marketing as part of the media relations program, bringing in paid influencers. The lines have become even more blurred because the media have evolved. Having that integrated mindset and being able to think about, well, this is a great initiative, but we can also put some paid behind boosting and earned media opportunity. Or we can think about looking at an outlet like Axios or Forbes, where so much of their content is contributed paid content. Having that mindset of it's not just pure earned anymore. We really need to be thinking of that peso model across all of the outlets, no matter what the particular discipline is. For our listeners, Jackie, the peso model is, if you want to uh, share that. Paid, earned, shared, and owned. There you go. Okay, thank you for that. And Francesco, I wanted to get your take on this. Being a journalist was never easy, but it's becoming a lot harder. There's the pressure of the news cycle and the quantity of information you need to put out there. It means that journalists tend to have incredible, not just deadlines, the production that they're expected to do is huge. The complexity of some of the issues that are out there is huge corporations like ours are becoming content creators. And so they were encroaching a little bit in some of the fun part of their storytelling. We have had to change and, and Peppercom has been great in helping us through it and change that engagement model. Before there was a little bit this sort of like frenemies with the journalist. When it works, it's become even more important where you kind of like need to understand and respect the independence of the journalist. But at the same time, put some work to help the journalists prepare for their job and help them understand some of the issues. 
Sometimes you might not like what they write, but more often than not, you kind of help them understand the world the way you see it and kind of see that benefit. But you have to put in that time. What makes it sometimes easier, sometimes harder is the journalists are freelancers. They write from multiple places or they change place. And, and oftentimes media now has a positioning and therefore you go to a different place and you expect to take a different angle. That makes th this even more time consuming in a way, but it absolutely pays back. There's still that impression in the marketplace that if it comes from someone else, it has greater it has greater validity or greater integrity. Stay with us. There's more to come. And now for a brief message regarding A&A Magazine. Marketers face a constant barrage of challenges, from recruiting new talent to sustainability to figuring out how generative artificial intelligence will affect ad creative. A&A Magazine tracks the latest developments and trends in B2C, B2B, brand purpose, and across the industry at large. The publication provides marketers with the real-world intelligence they need to drive growth and boost their value throughout their organization. Find the publication at ana.net forward slash ANA Magazine. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Jackie Kolick, Executive Vice President and Chief Innovation Officer at PR and Marketing Agency Peppercom, and Francesco Lagutain, Chief Marketing Communications Officer at M&T Bank, about how brands and organizations can bolster the PR and marketing nexus. Folks, I want to get into some best practices regarding PR and marketing working together more effectively. Francesco, what's the model for working with Peppercom? How is the agency treated like a real partner and not a vendor? You probably find many companies sort of like say, no, they're, you know, our, our agents are, are, are partners, not, not vendors. Describing how we engage is more practical. To my mind, Peppercom is an extension of our team. As we get engaged, as we have these meeting or kickoff meetings and we start dealing with a problem, dealing with an opportunity, preparing a campaign, Peppercom is naturally invited as a trusted member of our team. We rely on them to see things and bring things in that we don't necessarily see. And I would say that type of engagement of, of the natural extension team goes even beyond an engagement of a project. For me in particular, both Jackie and, and Steve, uh, Steve Cody at Peppercom are advisors. I often call on Jackie or Steve with thoughts even before they become issues, even before they become marketing, whether it's recruiting talent, whether it's thinking of positioning, whether it's understanding threats that may not have materialized yet, but I'm kind of curious about. I sort of like really rely on them. And what I believe this does, it makes Peppercom show up as a member of our team. And therefore, they're better informed about what's in my head, what's in the bank's air, what are the things that we find threatening versus what are the things that we find exciting and, and opportunities. And therefore, the quality of their engagement is significantly higher. Success is when it's seamless. It's not, we need to bring the agency in. They weren't fully briefed. Let's cut them a break. It's just that never actually comes into play. And oftentimes they come to us saying, hey, you might have missed this. That is probably important for you to know. And 10 times out of 10, they're on point. Jackie? The opportunity for us to be really treated as part of, you know, extension of the internal team and having access, whether that's access to the subject matter experts, it's access to the data that we're looking at, it's access to as we're preparing for a survey, looking at the questions, working with the survey vendor. It's having the ability to be there from the very beginning of every project because everybody who's involved in a project is thinking about things in a little bit different way. We're thinking about, oh, how might this fit for an ad campaign? We're thinking about, well, how might this work for the media? And we're all going to ask things and kind of come at it from a different perspective. And when we have that opportunity 
to be there from the beginning, to pick the brain of our subject matter experts and say, hey, we've got this big forecast coming up. What are you thinking about? How are we differentiating our point of view? And we're saying, oh, you know, nobody's talked about that yet. Let's drill down there. Again, we can really get the best out of every campaign we do when we have access. And that's so important. It's sad that I do have a few clients where we don't have access to the subject matter experts. Our questions get filtered through the comms team to a subject matter expert and then filtered back down to us. And it stifles the collaboration and the creativity when we can't have access and have those conversations and really brainstorm at the very beginning. And not that it's going to ensure success, but having everyone at the table from the get-go where roles and responsibilities are transparent and clear, is that mission critical? We're leaving a lot of opportunities on the table when we don't collaborate from the very beginning. We could say, hey, it's great that we're doing this survey, for example, but a lot of surveys have come out on that same topic. Have we thought about doing it this way? We're expanding something, or maybe we're just tweaking the way we're doing something to make it a little less self-serving, or maybe we're finding a niche that nobody's talked about. And when we can have those conversations in the beginning, and you know, we're not always right. We may come up with an idea that's off topic, but again, we're at least having the conversation and considering all the opportunities. And that enables us to be that much more successful because we can create campaigns, content, initiatives that are unique that are compelling, and that we know are going to resonate with our stakeholders at the end of the day. Francesco, can you talk about a recent marketing or ad campaign, the role that PR played in the development, execution, and measurement? Give us a nice tangible example. I'll set up an example, and then I'm probably going to ask Jackie to maybe tell a couple of stories, because this might be a before and after, because I was uh, <laughs> I, I, when I joined, sure. I was part uh, not it was it was the team that that sort of like decided to go that way, but it, I was already part of the future. We have this program called Capital Markets Forecast with our Women to Trust business that happens every year. It's a marquee program for us, and it's our um, subject matter expert Tony Roth and his team that sort of like really have um, uh, very insightful studies on economic trends for the following year. And they put out a document that looks at what are the key trends in the economy globally and in, in particular in the US that we should be concerned of and considering, whether it's companies managing through their planning cycles or individual managing through their investment cycles. These are things that would influence some of your uh, or, and should influence your financial decisions. And they tended to be siloed and waterfall in the sense that we had experts that came up with the program. Then it was handed to marketing that thought about the paid dissemination of the program. Then we brought in PR that thought about the press release. Then there was a social media team that thought about, can we do anything at that point with it? And it was successful. The content is phenomenal. It kind of worked. But the team challenged themselves to say, can we do it differently? Can we actually think about this? Given that at the end, it appears much more holistically, the various teams, and we encourage the teams to be together, the various teams started saying, you know what, I can do more there. If you give this to me, as opposed to in, in this format, if we could only see it in, in a different format, I can actually stretch it much more. The content generator became much more interested in, hey, I can actually develop it in a way that it's more conducive to being disseminated. Understanding that when you go on social media, you need very impactful sort of like single paragraphs. You can't use mm -hmm. complicated charts, et cetera. Changed the way we were creating the program, completely changed the way we were marketing the program and made our earned impact in the marketplace hugely impactful. 
as the PR team, we conducted an audit, looked at the competitive set, the types of content that they were putting out, when were they putting it out, how were they putting it out, and kind of what was their point of view and just their overall strategy. And we were able to present that to an integrated working team internally. And together, we worked out a different cadence of releasing the content. So instead of waiting for the whole thing to be done, releasing it in January, all nice and packaged, we start to drip out some of the themes. We start to do pre-briefings with the media. So even though the report's not done, we can start to see the concepts and get our subject matter experts out there talking about these themes. And we really just kind of changed up the sequencing of the content, which enabled us to beat the competition, get our thoughts out there in a much more holistic way, and then also serve the needs of clients and others who want to see this content. It gave the program much more shelf life, made it fresher for the media, and we've been much more successful in not just having sort of a one and done. We used to do sort of a day and a half media tour, and that was our big push around the capital markets forecast. Now it's a media briefing, and then we have an event, and then we're taking the themes and really chunking them up into various pitches and going out there. We're getting, instead of one Bloomberg story, three or four Bloomberg stories out of the same piece of content because we're slicing and dicing the angles in different ways. And I take it that the execution would not be as successful if M&T didn't consider Peppercop an extension of the company. Correct. And didn't do the things that Jackie was saying, which is... I'm delighted when the Peppercorn team sit down with Tony Roth, our subject matter expert. We know that that is a very valuable connection. Tony gets a ton of value. We get a ton of value. I don't need to put an intermediate there so that we can divide and conquer. But at the same time, Jack and team can come back and help us with that sort of managing those media relationship and thinking through how do we create content that can be disseminated much more seamlessly. And as we start to wrap up, without going all blue sky, how do you think your relationship <laughs> differs in agency-client relations, which, of course, are fraught with difficulty? What have you learned to make things clearer, more purposeful than other agency-client relationships may be lacking? It's transparency and relationships. It's building trust for us to showcase to our clients that they can trust us with information, that we're going to bring them valuable insights, that we understand their business, we understand their sector, their industry, we understand the media that are covering them, that it's a two-way collaboration, that it's not just them giving us information, that we're bringing them insights and ideas, and that we're really there for them. Sometimes things aren't going well, and we need to be open to having access to whether it's Francesco calling our CEO and saying, hey, we need to course correct here and making sure that we're Really having those conversations, not just when things are good and not just when things are bad, but all the time. So we're continually sharing information back and forth. And that's where true partnership really happens. And Francesco, you get the last word. There is a last word, I would say, candor as a different way of saying what Jackie was saying. And, you know, as I was thinking, along this theme of this extension of the team, to me, the relationship with Peppercom is talent management. Same way I pay my talent internally, I pay Peppercom's talent. And my job is to manage that talent. And just like you manage talent, there isn't this sort of like fear-driven relationship that says, if you don't fulfill your obligations, then there will be consequences. There's coaching and sometimes there's interventions and those are devoid of dramas. Our intentions are the same and sometimes things don't work. And just like coaching and interventions, you go and say, hey, this Peace isn't working. This interaction didn't deliver what we were hoping to deliver. We need to course correct it and have those conversations with candor without fear and with 100% trust and proof that Peppercom steps in and without fear and without consequence, it fixes things and we move along. 
And real quick, how much do you emphasize the no drama element, considering we're living in a hyper dramatic environment? <laughs> you can tell my team the hashtag no drama. And it's really interesting because the marketing team is at the forefront of every communication. And, and inside the company, someone asked my boss, why is it that whenever things go wrong, the marketing team is the team that always shows up as the A team? And part of it is this culture that we're building of this no drama. It's our job. It's like you don't want the ambulance drivers or the farm engine to come and panic, right? You want people to come in and say, it happens, we're going to fix it. Being able to know drama, Steve Cody from Peppercom and I share a common passion. He's a lot further than I am, but a common passion for humor as a way to take temperature down and help people sort of like focus on what they need to do without fear of consequences, without fear of retaliation. And so especially for the work we do, especially with the decisionalization of the media, et cetera, the ability for leaders to lower the temperature so that our teams can do the jobs they need to do is what we get paid for. One thing that makes it such a great partnership and why our team at Peppercom enjoys working with Francesco's team so much is that it's not just about when something goes wrong. They're so appreciative of the good work that's being done and recognizing the good work as well. And I love what you said, Francesco, about being a talent management business. People like positive reinforcement. And sometimes in the client agency relationship, you kind of only hear from the client when things are going bad and they don't recognize the good work. And Francesco's team does such a wonderful job of making our people feel valued and recognized for the good work that they're doing. So when there is a hiccup or course correction, it is drama free because we know they're thankful for the other things that we've done. And it's just a matter of making sure we're all on the same page all the time. And we'll have to leave it there. Jackie Kolick, Executive Vice President and Chief Innovation Officer at Peppercom, and Francesco Lagutan, Chief Marketing Communications Officer at M&T Bank. Thanks so much for joining me. Appreciate it. For more information about M&T Bank, go to www.mtb.com. For more information about Peppercom, go to peppercom.com. Be sure to tune in next time but I'll be joined by Bill Duggan, Group Executive Vice President at the ANA, and Noah Porter, Associate Director of Performance Media at Kenview, to talk about a major report recently released by the ANA on programmatic media buying and how marketers optimize such investments. If you would like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net. And be sure to subscribe to Champions of Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.